The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, Jalenta. Hey, Kristen. As you know, a lot of people have been writing in about We Love You and So Can You and telling us about how much they relate to the guests on the show. Yes, they have been writing us like crazy. But that's not all. They've also been writing to ask us to share our own stories about everything from professional jealousy to making friends as an adult. And uh, we have no shortages of stories to share on those things. Oh, no, we don't. So shall we get down to sharing them? Yes. Let's get this We Love You and So Can You bonus episode underway. In this special bonus season of We Love You and So Can You, we'll be talking about our own experiences with each of the topics explored during our regular season. Our first episode focused on Cameron, who is an audio producer by day and stand-up comedian by night, who, without intending to, found himself taking months off the stage. And he wanted to know if he still had it in him to do comedy. And he needed a little boost of confidence to get there from us and all the other people around him. Now, Jolenta, you're a comedian and a live storyteller, and I'm curious, have you ever found yourself in a predicament like Cameron's? I feel like you must be able to relate to his story a (laughs) lot. Yeah, like every five minutes. I feel like this is sort of a natural process, right? I don't know. It happens to me all the time. It happened to me in the biggest way, the most like Cameron, probably after I finished acting school and was just Mm. sort of aimless in New York. And was like, what am I doing with myself? I went on like two real auditions and was like, I fucking hate this. It is a cattle call. It's not fun to be judged. It's for people's passion projects that I'm not passionate about. Mm. Like, what am I doing with my life? I want to perform, but I don't know how I want to do it. And how long was that break then? Oh, like a year. Mm-hmm. It was probably about a year, and then I was dating Brad, who is now my husband, and he got me a a weekend storytelling workshop uh, taught by Kevin Allison, who hosts the Risk podcast. Mm-hmm. There's a little plug for them. <laughs> but um, And I took that workshop and was like, oh, I like storytelling. I can do this. I used to listen to The Moth and be like, I could do that. Uh, <laughs> and I started going to open mics for storytelling. There was one open mic that didn't scare me. And then I made friends with two strangers at the open mic circuit, and one of them was my friend Chris, and he emailed me and our other friend Michelle one day and was like, can we hang out and talk about, like, maybe doing comedy because all of our stories are funny? Mm. And, like, we started hanging out and, like, going to comedy shows, going to open mics together. We started sort of learning each other's material and giving notes. And you were doing comedy club, which is funny because we actually, that's, that's one of the assignments. That's Cameron do. Yes. Yeah, mine happened by accident. But had I been intentional about it, I probably wouldn't have been stuck for a year. And, like, through that comedy club, I started doing comedy. We started 
hosting a monthly show. Oh, I remember at, that at like, Pete's a Candy cool Store venue. Yeah. So then I ended up like running a show with these people, and it was like it, they became my my sort of comedy work life out of this rut. So. Jolenta, when you were in that year-long rut, were mm-hmm. you aware of the fact you were in a rut? Did you not really internalize it till the end of the rut? How, how did you feel about it? I feel like it took me a few months. It took me probably two months because, you know, for a while, a rut is just like fun nothingness It might in just a be way. a pause. Yeah, where you're like, I don't know. I'm in a transition. Like, mm-hmm. I finished school. I'm working my day jobs. They aren't fulfilling in what I mean to do. But, like, I got to get my footing. And then after a while, you're like, oh, this has become my routine. Just day job and, like, nothing I mean to be doing. Not pursuing, you know, all, all of my creative dreams I moved to the city to pursue. And then you just sort of sit in it and panic, but don't do anything. Mm. That's the key. And then what tipped you over the edge to work with those friends? It was just that they reached out to you? It was literally them doing it and not me. So you didn't plant any seeds with them at all? You no. didn't hint to them like, I'm feeling lousy? I no seeds. <laughs> I don't think. I just kept showing up and having two beers, doing a story and leaving. And like, But we we had similar stories and similar vibes. And we'd maybe say like one or two things to each other afterwards. But like, oh, my gosh, like I went to an acting school like that. Or like, oh, my gosh, like a guy I dated did that. And then like kind of out of the blue, someone took a brave step and was like, hey, want to be actually accountable to each other? And I was like, oh, my God, I needed that and didn't know I needed it. Wow. Almost like um, just a guardian angel coming out of there, a comedy angel yep. coming for you. Oh, my little angel, Chris. You Do know. you think you might reassemble your comedy club? Oh, that might be a good idea. Maybe I will. Yeah. Or maybe you and Cameron can be in the same comedy oh my club. Gosh. Wouldn't that be crazy? Whoa. I should call Cameron. You I'm could. write a little note to myself. <laughs> have you ever been in a rut? Do you get in ruts when you're not comedians? Do normal people have ruts? <laughs> Let's take a quick break. And when we're back, we'll talk about my own creative ruts. Fine. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. We are back with this bonus episode of We Love You and So Can You. And we're talking all about creative confidence and getting back out there after a long break. Kristen, you're someone who's perfect. So you're clearly (laughs) not not a stand-up comedian. But you're not like a masochist creative person (laughs) the way comedians are. People who just are constantly like, hey, I'm out here. And then the world's like, we're going to reject you. You know, I I love the way you describe the comedy world because one thing that's so funny about it is, you know, the people on stage 
when they're funny are so funny. And when they're dark, oh, God. I mean, off the stage. Yeah, it's not funny. Yeah. and It's, it's some- bleak. Yeah, and it's something that you own up to all the time, Jolenta. Um, but you're right. I don't identify as a comedian. I've hosted podcasts with lots of comedy in the podcast. Right. Like, you're a creative person. You make things. You're a storyteller. You yeah. are not. You don't consider yourself a comedian. Mm-hmm. I do not. I mean, but I guess obviously. I- what Cameron went through is universal. Like, yes. we've all felt stuck in ruts. We've all been like, am I living up to my potential? Is this thing I want to shoot for even a thing I can do? Yeah. Like, and it doesn't really matter whether no. it's like getting on stage or whether it's like returning to making desserts, if that's what you love yeah, to do is totally. make, make desserts. But in my case, you're right that I do identify as a storyteller. And, okay, so I, I don't mean to copy you. It's going to sound oh like I'm God. totally copying you. Is she going to copy me? But after I got my MFA in fiction writing, mm-hmm. I took so much time off of writing. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I should say I took time off of what I considered creative writing. Mm-hmm. I was doing pop culture journalism. I was doing um, all sorts of other kind of um, criticism, journalism, uh, interviews with celebrities. Um, I was writing listicle articles for one That's blog. creative writing, if you ask me, <laughs> but sure. Top 13 ways to blah, blah, blah. You know, yeah, I was, I'm, I'm, I'll read it. I, I was writing stuff like that. So I was doing a lot of that kind of writing, but... I wasn't doing what I considered important writing. Mm, and um, yes. and when I was getting my MFA, I went into the program really thinking, like, I want to write important things, capital I, mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, stuff that wins the Booker Prize, stories yeah. that are deep and complicated and touch on the human condition. And yeah, you're going to write, like, forever. the tis for our time. Yes. Like. <laughs> so I really thought that was going to happen. But then when I was actually in my MFA program, I... I just hated sitting alone writing all day. It was a really lonely endeavor. It sounds like my ideal workplace. Oh but my sure. gosh. It was <laughs> it was so lonely. And I and in that state of loneliness, I was not one of those people who's like, the lonelier I am, the better my writing yeah, will be. Yeah, the more I'm writing. And... Yeah, it's like, no, I wasn't that person. It was like I felt like the the less I was myself and the worse my writing got. Mm-hmm. Um and so then by the time I turned in um my dissertation, which is a collection of short stories that I wrote. I just kind of said, I need to take a break from writing. And that break went on and on and on for over a year. And then, um, yeah, it was really bad. And then on top of that, I mean, you know, this Jolenta, then like my mom died yeah. too. And so the one creative outlet I had, so I I did very briefly have this blog called The Year of Asking. And every day for a full year, I was going to write and ask for something. So you were like trying to Shonda Rhimes it. I was trying to do other things. So, like, I wrote to Dollywood, for example, mm-hmm. and they gave me free tickets. I wrote to— Oh, my gosh. It's the most you project in the world. <laughs> like, a letter writer for free shit. <laughs> and I wrote to Barack and Michelle Obama and asked for an autographed photo of the whole family, and they sent one to me. Even the kids signed it. Oh, my God. I, that's adorable. Yeah. So I had, like, different themes of the week. So I had one week it was all, like, autographed photos. Dolly sent me one also. That's um, sick. One week it was, like, tourism attractions in the state. One week it was food. And, and so I did this for weeks and weeks, and then— so that was the closest I had to create a writing, but it wasn't great writing, capital mm, G. It right, wasn't right. important it wasn't, writing, capital you know, I. Influencing the great thinkers of our time. Yeah, and then my mom died and I stopped that one project. And that was the only creative thing mm-hmm. I felt I was doing. Um, I mean, no offense to people who write listicles and so on, because those are right. creative too. That's real, wor- real work. Yeah, but, um, and then I just kind of froze for a while. What and then, was it like in the rut? It, I like, felt did you really know, bad about myself. You knew. You were like, I'm not writing. I'm not writing all the yeah. time. Yeah. For the first few months, I'm like, it's just a pause. It's just a pause. It's just a pause. 
But then it was clear, this isn't a pause. Mm-hmm. Am and like, I, what am I doing wrong? What am I doing wrong? Am I ever going to be writing this great stuff that I should be writing? I mean, I was like in my MFA program studying with some of the like biggest name brand writers in the world. Mm-hmm. And why was I not doing right. the things I was taught to do? Well, and I think that sort of gets back to to what Cameron was struggling with on like the deeper level of like, not only am I in this rut, but like, am I meant to do this? Am I Am I capable of writing those, like, important capital I things if I'm in this rut? Is it a sign? And sort of then you get into the bigger issue of, like, am I good at what I'm passionate about? And then I think the answer ultimately is, like, if you're worrying about something you're that passionate about, like, you're probably okay. And, like, passions have the battle, hopefully. Well, I feel slightly differently about it. So in my case, I was obsessing over it and feeling bad about it. And then I realized, like, maybe the kind of storytelling I'm supposed to do isn't supposed to be the capital I important writing. And maybe that's not the kind of writing that makes me happy. And then I started working in podcasting. What do you mean you you moved into podcasting? How does that how does how does a rut writer end up making a podcast? Okay, so Rafer Guzman. Yes. um, He was the film critic at that public radio show that Jolenta, you and I both worked at many, Mm -hmm, many moons ago. mm -hmm. And I produced all of his segments. He would uh, review films on air, and he approached me one day and said, I would like to host a podcast. And I said, I would love to produce your podcast. And He was your Chris. <laughs> yes. and um, Also saying yes to opportunities apparently helps. Absolutely. I'm just like, I would like to try something new. I would love to try that. And I didn't realize that producing that podcast would turn into a whole different kind of storytelling mm-hmm. because the higher-ups said, no, Kristen, we don't just want you to produce it. We want you to host it. Um, We actually think that you would make a really good on-air personality, and we think you're a good storyteller. And it just, it never occurred to me. So like you, it was luck. I kind of just was lucky that someone thought of me. And um, I know that not everybody out there is just going to luckily fall into that, but um, I'm sure that we all have encounters every day with people that can make us see the world a little differently. And you never know what person with with whichever opportunity they have that comes to you, you never know which is going to be the one that will actually get you out of the rut. You may think it has nothing to do with it. You may have thought of that as your day job and like a cool project at the day job, but like you still have to go home and write. And then, oh no, whoops, turns out that's like fulfilling this need and getting your voice out there. Absolutely. I love collaborating on a story that I'm telling verbally. And I love feeling as if I'm interacting with people in my storytelling, which is one reason why when I wrote So You Want to Start a Podcast, I loved writing it, even though it was torture to write, sit alone and write, but I felt my audience with me the whole time. And the time. book is a conversation. Like, you write it as though, like, you're chilling with someone who yes. wants to write a podcast. Yeah, and I thought about our listeners every single sentence I wrote. So I didn't feel like I was fully alone in that. Whereas when I was writing important stories about yeah. sad housewives in the suburbs in the 1960s, it was like, this is so lonely and yeah, sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure this is important somewhere, but... It was not, but fun not it maybe not you're important. Yeah, and there's different kinds of important. So I guess my point in all of this, this is a roundabout way of saying, I think sometimes the rut that we're in might sometimes be telling us we need to pivot. Right. I was going to say also your rut was part of your answer. If you're like, I don't like doing this in a vacuum. I don't like doing this in a vacuum. The answer eventually became 
figure out a way to do this that's collaborative, that involves feedback, that involves immediate responses, you know, a few days later, as opposed to waiting for years for people to pick up a book, you know? Absolutely. All of that was very, very true. So that was my rut. And now I feel, you know, making this show with you, making the other show we make together by the Mm -hmm. book, all the things that I do now, I get to tell stories and not be alone. And thank goodness I went through the rut that help me realize that this is where I'm supposed to be because right. now I'm happy. Right. I was going to say, ruts also help. Like, that rut I was in when I pivoted to comedy specifically was, like, I want to perform. I don't know how, I, what's wrong. And then Versus it was being like, an actress, capital and A. And then it was like, oh, I'm not going to be, like, a Shakespearean actor, capital <laughs> A. Uh-huh. I want to perform in this way. And, like, I care so much more about laughs than tears and, you know— how? What are the messages I want to speak? Well, they they want to be out of my mouth and mine, so I'll write it myself. I don't know, <laughs> but it's like the things that are holding you back from attacking your goal might be the thing to play with to get to your goal. Yeah, absolutely. All right, um, let's take another quick break. But when we're back, Jolenta, yes, I think we should talk about times where the rut happened and we never came back from it. Oh, okay. Let's do that. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe Right. Get your strip on. Use as directed. We are back with this special bonus episode of We Love You and So Can You. And now, before we go, we just want to reassure everyone out there that we don't always return to our creative endeavors. And that's fine. Sometimes it's okay to dabble in things and then let those things go. Jolenta, let's start with you. Yeah, yeah. I have a personal creative rut that I'm ashamed to admit I I have— Stayed in. Oh, I need and to just hear sort this. of forgotten about. I which need to is hear this. right after the 2016 election. I was a little lost, as we all were, and I was like, I know what will find me: embroidery. Mm. And I like went all out. Got a like starter kit. Got some really good. Got the threads. little circle rings. I got a wooden ring, many sizes. And I like went to town teaching myself to embroider, and I am quite good at embroidery. Not gonna lie, I can pick up a I can pick up a new stitch in like three tries. I I'm a visual learner, so like I feel like I pick it up pretty easily from reading online stuff. I started making little samplers that were like pretty cute. I made one that said "fart fuck fight the power" Ooh. and like had little flowers all over it. It was super cute, and I was like, I'm so good at this. 
And I just like kept embroidering that one sampler with like different stitches. And it got just like covered in flowers and like paisley pattern and shit. And I just gave it to a friend who liked it. And I've never done embroidery since. And like, I like it. And I feel like I'm good at it and want to play with it. Don't know what I'd embroider. Don't know what I want to do with it. And just like, haven't done it again. And do you feel any regret about that? Yeah, like I want to keep doing it. Oh, you do want to keep doing it. But I don't know, like I don't know what I would want embroidered other than like making what quirky samplers. You can't have a wall full of quirky samplers. They're going to go out of style. (laughs) And like I don't want embroidered sheets or clothing. Like I don't know what to do with it, but it's a skill and I like playing with it. And like I don't, like I think I'm kind of naturally good at it, but I I don't know what to do. And so I just haven't touched it since that one time like three years ago. Mm. Well, and it was going to be like the passion that saved me. Well, maybe it's not going to be the passion. Maybe it'll be one of those passions you tried for a while and then another passion will come. And maybe, maybe. then another one. I don't know. Right? We'll it's see. possible. We'll find out. Um, it's funny that you mentioned embroidery because as far as something I've been in a rut in off and on most of my adult life, it's also sewing and crocheting. Yeah. So I was brought up in a sewing family, actually. My grandma, Ruth Meinzer, oh, no she was actually a seamstress. Yes. She, she did professional sewing. She did clothing design and so on. She made over half my clothes that growing up. That is so cool. Beautiful velvet dresses she made for me and my oh, sister. Yes. She crocheted pantsuits for us. That's because insane. in Minnesota winter, nothing keeps you warmer than a whole outfit made out of sweater. I mean, crochet often is a thing. Thicker, chunkier. Yes. It's easier to make usually yeah. as oh. a crocheter. I oh, say I this. agree. I'm much better at crocheting than knitting. But I grew up, you know, with sewing, knitting, crocheting. All of that was a part of my life from the time I was very, very young. I remember sewing. Oh gosh, my first halter top and mini skirt when yes. I was like seven, I think. And Whoa, then, and then girl sewing, was edgy. And then sewing clothes for my Barbie dolls. And then I mean, I would do that, but I'd like you know. Hack up a handkerchief with scissors and staples, <laughs> not like. Oh, sew I would it. make matching outfits and stuff. No, that's incredible. Yeah, I had a little Singer sewing machine. Oh, I, I remember cute. knitting scarves when I was little. And, but you know what? The last time I did any sort of yarn uh, making thing was now. It was a baby blanket and a hat I made for Jasper, who just turned 14. Oh, my hey, friend's Jasper. Kid. Sorry, Jasper. You're the last person I crocheted Whoa. for. And the last time I did any embroidery was when Dean and I first met. And hey. for our first Valentine's Day. Um, okay, so shortly after we met, we were assembling some IKEA furniture at one point. And you know how the little IKEA package, it shows the cartoon of the one human the holding a hammer, smiling if if you can do it alone? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then if, he, if you can't do it alone and you need two people, it shows the one person with the hammer with an X through him looking sad instead. Yeah, being like, I can't do I it. I can't do it. And then it shows two people smiling and holding hammers together if you need two people to do the job. So I... Um, embroidered a... I'm going to barf, aren't I? You were going to barf so much. I I embroidered a tea towel for him. He and I both are really into tea towels. So are Brad and I. It's, it's just what happens when you hit, like, 30. <laughs> so I embroidered a tea towel, and it showed two people facing each other, holding hammers, smiling. Time to barf. With a heart over them. Yep. And um, so that's, like, the last thing I've sewed well, that's or embroidered adorable. or anything. I know you want to punch me now. You can't stand this. But that was... That was like five years ago. years ago. ago. Yeah. Oh, I did think of another rut I'm in that I forgot about. What's that? Uh, also crocheting. 
and it's very crafty, right? But I have been in the middle of making a blanket forever. We talked about this on By the Book like years ago. Oh my God, that blanket? Oh yeah, no, Brad keeps <laughs> making a joke being like, maybe next year we'll get it. Like, Oh my gosh. It's been probably three years-ish, two years, just halfway through that blanket still. If it makes you feel any better, my Nana was cross-stitching a tablecloth for over a decade. Yeah, the job will get done when it needs to. Yeah, there's no rush. Some, this run I'm not worried about. I know I'll finish it. Yeah, you'll get to it. It'll happen. But, you know, I guess all of this is our way of saying to whoever's listening out there, you know, it's okay to be in creative rut sometimes. Uh, Yeah, and you don't—it's not just for comedians and storytellers. It can be for lawyers and yeah. bus drivers. Or for a girl who grew up in a seamstress family like me. Or for people who are naturally gifted— at embroidery that just don't know what to do with it. Yes. They're just yes. panicking about it. Yes. Or be, a lot of people, mainly who go through transitions, who have gotten out of school, who have, you know, had uh, death in the family. People like Cameron, who had, like, some work transitions before we came around. Like, yeah. they remind you, like, oh, am I doing what I mean to do? And if I'm not, maybe I'll get paralyzed there until an angel comes. Yeah. So, you know. We all get into ruts. And sometimes it's okay to never leave them. That's no. okay to leave it okay. Uh-uh. But, and you, you know. don't have to freak out about them. Yeah. At least not for us. We, yeah. we don't want to beat ourselves up about it. And we hope whoever's listening, we hope you're not beating yourself up about it either. Don't beat yourself up. Say yes to people, even if you think they won't help you. You can finish that project later, even if it's a blanket you promised your spouse. And you're good to go. And that's it for this bonus episode of We Love You and So Can You. Our producer is Lindsay Cradwell. Thanks also to Casey Holford, who composed our theme song and mixed this episode. Daisy Rosario is our executive producer. And Chris Bannon is our chief content officer. Don't forget to stay in touch with us. If you have a predicament you need help with, you can hit us up on our email. It's weloveyoupod at gmail.com. You can also tweet us at Jalenta G, at Kristen Meinzer, or at weloveyoupod. Or you can leave us a voicemail message. We love hearing your beautiful voices. Our phone number is 601-LOVE-171. That's 601-568-3171. And don't forget to rate us and review us on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, Stitcher Premium, wherever you listen to these fine shows. And if you haven't already, tell a friend about the show. Tell somebody in a rut about the show. Tell somebody who's not in a rut and just making a little bit of a pivot. Until next time, I'm Jalenta Greenberg. And I'm Kristen Meinzer. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Oh, and please don't forget that we love you. And so can you. I'm being corny. Sorry. Stitcher. It's time to breathe easier this allergy season with Breathe Right Nasal Strips. With instant nasal congestion relief for up to 12 hours, you can spend your time on your terms, not on your noses. Stuffy nose from outdoor allergens? No problem. We got you. Allergy season just turned into stripping season. Instant relief from nasal congestion anytime, anywhere. Need more convincing? Click the banner below and get a free sample. Breathe right. Get your strip on. Use as directed.